0: If you'll remain standing for just a little bit longer, I'd like to read the passage that we're going to be looking at, at least a longer passage than we're actually looking at, but um, a little bit bigger context from First Peter. We've been working our way through the first chapter of 1 Peter. I uh, haven't been moving very fast, but um, I'll begin at verse 13, read to the end of the chapter. 1 Peter chapter one uh, verse uh, thirteen and following. <clears throat> Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, which is, uh, since it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourself with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, But with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from pure heart, since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and abiding word of God. For all flesh is like grass, and all its glory like the flower of grass. The grass withers, and the flower falls, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this word is the good news that was preached to you this is God's own word please have a seat uh, children I uh, like to tell you stories about when I was growing up and uh, my dad and I did a lot of things together and we uh, we had a big saw, a very long saw. And it had a handle on one end and a handle on the other. And it's called a cross-cut saw. And we used it to uh, cut wood for our fireplace. And I would get on one end and my fa- father would get on the other. And we'd pull it and pull it back and forth. Now, of course, I was little. So I didn't have much strength. I didn't have much strength to... To pull, and so it was mostly my father pulling. But I was there and I was doing something with him. Well, what God has promised us is though that we're weak and we're little, He will give us strength. He will help us. When we want to obey, He can be there and take care of us. And He helps us just like my dad did it when I was sawing wood with him so god by his spirit helps those who trust in him so uh, let's pray and see how god teaches us that through his word okay let's pray father in heaven i pray that you will be with us and and enable us to uh, understand your word and to take your word to heart uh, that your word might be for us um, a living and abiding word the the word that brings the gospel to us. And we thank you for these promises that are great and precious in your word. Help us to believe your promises by your spirit as we believe in your son. In his name we pray, amen. There are a lot of scary verses in the Bible but perhaps the scariest, one of the scariest to me is from Hebrews 12, verse 14. Strive for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. Pursue that holiness which no one, without which no one will see the Lord. It's like Jesus' words in Matthew 5, where Jesus says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, if you're like me, you don't feel very pure in heart. You find yourself, like me, perhaps, not striving or pursuing holiness. When we oftentimes think of ourselves before God, what we think of is how far we are from that, how far we are from pursuing a holy life. But if I'm thinking that way, I'm not thinking biblically. I'm not thinking in gospel terms because I'm not thinking of my Savior I'm thinking of myself apart from my Savior. And, and so perhaps as we look at these verses in 1 Peter chapter 1, we might um, begin to understand a little bit better what it is to trust in Christ for our holiness. Now, the, Peter, the people that Peter was writing to were perhaps Jews. We're not sure, but uh, the opening verses... Uh, talk about those who were scattered from the dispersion Uh, the Jews had heard a lot about Leviticus uh, about the book of holiness Uh, the book of holiness in the Old Testament uh, had all sorts of things about how you had to come to God with different offerings at different times to take away sin Uh, how the, the temple itself was or tabernacle itself was structured with a holy of holies and a holy place and the outward part of the tent and how you couldn't go in there except the high priest. One day a year um, that even as you're eating food, you are reminded that there are foods you shouldn't eat because they were unclean and they'd make you unclean. So um, all kinds of things in the Old Testament reminded people of the, the struggle to be Holy. To live a holy life in terms of uh, coming to God. Now, we don't think, and we talked a little bit about this in Sunday school, uh, we don't think much about holiness in those terms today. We just eat whatever we want, shellfish and all that. Um, And our culture has done such a radical turn. Uh, that we are 180 degrees from holiness in many ways. Um, Our government approves of homosexuality. Um, We talked in Sunday school about how the uh, country of Finland may uh, decide that the Bible is just hate speech uh, because of what it says about marriage and homosexuality. Uh, We live in a culture where uh, we just observed the 22nd of January. Um, and the Roe v. Wade uh, decision, which uh, has been going on for so many years and so many millions of babies, and as somebody mentioned, we're kind of used to it. We don't think about it that much. We count ourselves righteous or holy if we don't watch R-rated movies on Netflix, uh, or uh, we don't curse very much, or that kind of thing. And yet what... God says through the prophet uh, Habakkuk in chapter 113 is you are of of pure eyes than to see evil and you cannot look on wickedness with favor now if God's eyes are too evil to look on wickedness with favor he if he calls me to be pure in heart then what am I going to do How am I going to live before this God? Now, you remember that uh, Peter has begun his letter by talking about those who are elect exiles in verse 1. And if you remember what uh, we talked about there, uh, that to be an elect exile meant God had called you to see yourself as not really having your home here. Your home isn't here, but it's in heaven. And so you have to be prepared always to think about uh, that. And you're living out your faith in this world as an exile looking towards home, called by God, set apart by God to be his. Now, Christians have tried to figure out how to do that in different ways. I don't know whether you have any Amish around here, but in different parts of Maryland, they, they have Amish and of course in Pennsylvania, they have Amish where people live in communities and they dress in a certain way and they drive uh, horse drawn plows and buggies instead of cars because they wanna be separate. They wanna be different than the world. Now, some Christians will not go to that extent, but they will watch only Christian movies, listen to only Christian music. Um, They'll wear Christian t-shirts and all that kind of thing. And they wanna show that. Uh, Now, of course, we have to admit that people have gone in the other direction and now pastors think it's uh, really cool uh, to swear during the sermon uh, or to show clips from non-Christian movies uh, as part of the worship service, that kind of thing. Uh, But uh, evangelicals generally are confused uh, as to what it means to be elect exiles. How do we live in this world? Now, Peter's original uh, readers couldn't escape the world. They, They lived in it. They didn't have any possibility of withdrawing Uh, They didn't have uh, Christian movies or music or t shirts to wear. Uh, They were living in a culture where some of them were slaves. Uh, They couldn't uh, abandon their masters or else they'd be in big trouble. Uh, Christian women were married oftentimes to non Christian men, and and Peter will talk about that later. And they couldn't just say, Well, you're a non Christian, I'm going to leave. Um, they had to live in the culture where they were in the situation that God, God had given them. And so they were to be different. And Peter talks about that in verse 13. Preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As a uh, elect, excuse me elect exile, you're thinking of your hope In heaven. And that hope in heaven is determining how you're going to live. So, how do you live out that hope? How do you live out that hope and confidence, as we heard in the Sunday school? Now, if you are a Jesus Christ, if people begin to talk to you about your identity, how do you describe your identity? Most of us can think of lots of ways we can do that. I'm Libby and Harry's youngest son, Libby and Harry Doe's youngest son. I have, um, I had uh, three siblings. I grew up in Herndon, Virginia. Um, I'm married to Joni. Uh, I'm the father of four children and the grandfather to 10 and a half. Uh, And, uh, and I could go on and on and on. But I have to remember that my basic identity is I belong to Jesus. I'm Christ's. Now, look at what he says in verse 14. This is the ESV translation. But it says this. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. Now, <clears throat> this may seem like a grammatical point that is just kind of, who cares? But there is, a, there is a point about it. In the Greek, the word children comes before the word obedience. So it's children of obedience. Now, bear with me for a minute. If I'm a obedient child, then that's talking about me. I'm obedient. But if if I'm a child of obedience, then I have a parent, and that parent is obedience. See what I'm getting at? My parent is obedience. It's not the focus on me, but on who my parent is, what my background is. Now, the Apostle Paul will do something much like this in Ephesians chapter 2, where he says, we were children of disobedience. That was the characteristic marker of my life. I was a child of disobedience. Disobedience was my parent. But when we are born again, we are born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. When you are saved, you stop being a child of that parent disobedience and you become a child of that parent obedience. Now, do you get to be a child of someone by your own work? Did I tell Libby and Harry in 1947, you're gonna have a boy? No, Nope wasn't my choice we are born again by the power of God God brings us to life we're saved through grace by grace through faith faith in the obedience and death of the son of God it's the obedience of Christ that causes us to be born again because Christ was obedient to the point of dying for my sin, that I have life now. We can't live in hope, and I understand Rebecca loves that word hope. We can't live in hope if our hope is not focused, even as our confidence is focused, in the work of Jesus Christ. It's only in the gospel that I'm going to have hope to face a world of disobedience. Now, just think about this. Does this mean I don't personally have to be obedient to God? Of course not. That's the idea of what's called antinomianism. Antinomianism says you're apart from the law. Jesus saved you. You can do whatever you want. That's not what this says. Or what Paul says. Paul uh, spends a lot of time in Romans chapter uh, 6 uh, talking about this. He begins the chapter. He says, are we to continue in sin that grace may, ab- may abound? And he says, by no means. Now listen to what he says. How can we who died sin, still live in it. Children of disobedience have to become children of obedience. Children whose parentage is now from God. Specifically from the obedient son of God, Jesus Christ. Because when I am converted, I am brought to have a new heart, a new record, and a new master. A new heart, a new record, and a new master. Junie and I sometimes talk about the fact that when we were growing up, both of us were considered good kids. We didn't cause our parents a lot of grief. But for me, once I left home, that's when I decided to start doing whatever I wanted to do. I really wasn't a child of obedience. I was only uh, outwardly an obedient child. I showed my true colors once I got away from home because I became a child of disobedience. Something changed in my heart, however, And that is what Peter has talked about in the gospel. He says, Do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. We're no longer conformed to the way that we lived because now we're brought by faith into a new life in Christ. And so this is the very opposite of the easy believism. Trust in Jesus, you're going to get fire insurance Jesus deals with the the matter of hell he's taken the penalty for your your sins on the cross Uh, you won't go to hell but Jesus dies for not only our future and the penalty that we owe but the power of sin it's not just I like to say the guilt penalty and power It's the power of sin as well that is broken by Christ's work in our lives through the Spirit. Now, get back to that word obedient. The basic word means to sit under the hearing, to hearken to. You hearken to or you listen to someone. Now, Every parent knows that children have selective hearing. If you say, would you like a cookie? They suddenly have excellent hearing. But if you say, pick up your toys, somehow they just, uh, they have to be told time after time after time to pick up their toys. The child of God Has been given ears to hear, to hearken to, to sit under the hearing of the Word of God, by the Spirit of God, to be subject to that Word. This is how we get hope, because the hope that we have is in the grace that's been revealed to us in the Gospel. Because we've heard of Christ in the Gospel, we have true hope, and this gives us a new desire to pursue holiness. Now, <clears throat> Peter quotes the Old Testament here, uh, Leviticus again, um, in uh, verse 16. And that's overwhelming enough. But in his next letter, his second letter, Second Peter chapter 1, he says something that is just stunning. His, that is God's, God's divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them, the promises, you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Now what in the world does Peter mean by partakers of the divine nature? We're not pantheists where we believe that we become one with the world soul and we have uh, this kind of melding of our, our desires and thoughts and personality with some greater thing. No. No, he's not talking about that. He's talking about a transformation of our hearts. Now, we have to think about this matter of holiness because if we're partakers of the divine nature, We're partakers of holiness. Now, now holiness has has a very big concept in scripture. It certainly means God is separate from sin. God doesn't partake of sin. His eyes are too pure to prove evil. He cannot look on wickedness with favor. Um, He doesn't... um, Tempt, because he himself is never tempted. He's he's above it all. But there's more to it. Because when we talk about God's holiness, we talk about his separateness. God is not his creation. His creation is separate from him. He creates, and that stands apart from him. He overlooks it. He oversees it but he doesn't come into it except in the incarnation and that was for a redemptive purpose and Christ has now taken our human nature back to heaven along with his divine nature. God in his being is holy, is separate, is unique. He stands apart. And so when the cherubim or seraphim in uh, Isaiah 6 proclaim his holiness they say holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts heaven and earth are full of your glory because God's creates in what he does now God tells us to be holy that's to be separate from sin ourselves and that's the way in which we partake of the divine nature we don't become God obviously the Bible abhors that idea but we remain creatures yet creatures who are called into eternity we have immortal souls God has made us for eternity not just this world now in ourselves, it's impossible for us to forsake sin, the former conversations of our past life. So, how in the world can we become children of obedience? Well, we begin by thinking about the Ten Commandments. Can we be children of lying? No. Our God is the God of truth. We can't be liars. Can we be a God of un, or children of, uh, of unfaithfulness? No, because God is faithful. Can we be children of coveting? No, because our God is um, content, satisfied, uh, full in himself. And he needs nothing. He gives, in fact. So we can look at the Ten Commandments and begin to understand what God means when he says, Love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And your neighbor is yourself. When he says, You shall be holy. It's the basic command to God's uh, people, to the church, to be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect, as Jesus says. He says that. He says it to us in Matthew chapter 5. So when we tell people this, we've got to tell them that Jesus delivers us from the power of sin. That sin is no longer to be our master. It's no longer to rule over us. Not only are we delivered from hell, not only are we delivered from the guilt of the craw of our sin, but we're delivered from um, the power of sin. We are converted. When we repent of our sin, when we turn in faith to Christ, we are truly changed. It's the power of God in our lives. Christians still sin, of course, but the power of sin to demand that we obey, to demand that we obey, is broken. And the child of God now becomes a child of obedience. We're born again to be God's offspring and his children. Now that doesn't happen overnight, but it does happen. I mentioned my dad, and I can't tell you all the ways that I'm like my dad. We are both the only left-handed people in my family, original family. Um, He, could look at a project and kind of take it apart. I can't do it as well as he did, because he was an engineer, but I can look at things and say, well, this is what I need to do here, here, and here. Um, He loved to read and loved history, especially. And I I love that same thing ago, uh, as well. I have much of my dad in me, and we have much of our heavenly father in us. And that increases, so that we do show more and more likeness to our Heavenly Father. And we can contrast that with, if you'll forgive me, the Westboro Baptist Church. If you remember them holding signs uh, anytime they could to protest homosexuality. And they became known as haters. And homosexuals were not gonna go up and ask them, well, tell me about Jesus. (laughs) Nobody was going to go up and ask them about that. But if we are holy in the way God is holy, people are drawn by the change in our lives, by the difference in our lives, because we love them. We love them as God commands us to love our neighbor as ourselves. So we're rightly called children of obedience when we believe the gospel when we do do believe what the gospel says about Christ the fully obedient he's the fully obedient one we run to him because he was perfectly obedient and when we feel so disobedient we come to Christ because that's where we'll find peace that's where we'll find hope one time I was going to a conference and my luggage got uh, misdirected So I showed up at the first meeting of the conference dressed in my clothes from the trip, which were jeans and sneakers and so forth. And I looked around the table and everybody else was dressed, you know, ties and such. And I just really felt out of place. But I was the one who felt out of place. The others didn't. They, They didn't make a big deal of that. They didn't say to me, you don't deserve to be here. God doesn't say you don't deserve to be here. We are his and in his presence because he supplied the wedding garment for us. And we say, why was I guest? Why was I made to hear your voice and enter while there's room when thousands make a wretched choice and rather starve than come? Was the same love that spread the feast that sweetly drew us in, else we had... Still refused to taste and perished in our sin. Grace answers that question Am I an obedient child? Do I partake of a holiness without which no one will see the Lord? The gospel says it's because Christ died for you. John Calvin put it this way he said, Although obedience does not make us his children, since the gift of obedience is from grace, his image should shine forth in us. And if it's to shine forth in us, if we're to pursue holiness, we have to keep our eyes on Jesus. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we pray that you might help us in the struggle we have in our lives to live holy lives, to keep our eyes on Christ give way to fear uh, or um, some kind of apathy, but instead rejoice uh, that we have an obedient Savior and he is working in us to make us obedient as well. In Jesus' name, amen.